Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're talking about the office real estate market. And no, we're not talking about WeWork. I had the opportunity to take over a co-working space that had been operated for years by an accountant. They had the master lease for about 7,000 square feet of office space, and it had been divided up into small offices ranging in size from about 100 square feet up to about 800 square feet. There were a total of 25 separate spaces, of which all but three were leased. The accountant, who owned the accounting firm, died, unfortunately, and the wife of the accountant didn't want to manage the real estate. In fact, she was also in the process of trying to sell the accounting firm. The owner of the building was a major national landlord with billions in assets. The offices were renting anywhere from five to $800 a month for the smaller ones capable of housing one or two professionals. The accounting firm had fallen behind on its rent payments to the building owner and was in default under the terms of the lease. The owner had since engaged another company in the co-working space who ran the floor for a year, and they too had fallen behind on their lease payments. The building owner finally had taken over operation of the floor, but in reality didn't want to be dealing with 25 individual tenants. I was already running another small shared office rental business. The building owner approached me to take over the running of this 7,000 square foot space. I reviewed the financials and the master lease agreement. The tenants were paying below market rents. The expenses were pretty simple to analyze. There was the rent for the entire floor, a few miscellaneous expenses for the photocopier, the printer, insurance, and the salary for the receptionist on the floor. The two major expenses were the rent at $14 a square foot triple net, about $28 a square foot gross, and the receptionist. Now, the rent wasn't a bargain, but it was certainly a fair price for a modern B-class office building. As the business was currently operating, it would break even at 95% occupancy and would generate about 40000 a year at 100% occupancy. I might be able to raise the rents over time, but it wasn't clear how many tenants would seek alternatives if I increased the rent. The business would generate a profit if I eliminated the receptionist, but then there'd be no one apart from myself actually working inside the business. That was not something I was prepared to do. It was an inexpensive way to expand into the co-working business. I would inherit all the furniture, all the equipment. It was an instant revenue stream. As is, the business represented too much risk. There was no way I would sign a five-year lease complete with personal guarantees when I had no guarantee that tenants would stay with me at a higher monthly rental rate. So I decided to decline the opportunity. Now, in the latest co-working news, WeWork competitor Rocketspace is pulling the plug on its operations. They're a San Francisco-based company started in 2011. They announced plans earlier this month to shut down its UK operations by the end of December. That was reported in Bloomberg News. And in August, Rocketspace closed its headquarters on Mission Street in San Francisco. Last year, it closed down its Chinese operations. The company's contemplating whether to seek a sale of its business, file for bankruptcy reorganization under Chapter 11, or liquidate under Chapter 7. If Rocketspace files for bankruptcy, it will join another San Francisco co-working company called Sandbox Suites, which filed for Chapter 11 back in April of this year. The prices at Sandbox are pretty attractive if you're a tenant. An office with two desks costs 1000 a month. That includes 10 hours of free use of a meeting room each month. I'm talking about an office in San Francisco or in Silicon Valley. That's incredibly cheap. The problem with these co-working businesses is that the labor costs are high for the number of tenants. A co-working space doesn't really function properly with zero staff, and the front office staff doesn't offer enough perceived value for the tenants that the customers would be willing to pay a premium for it. Rocketspace discovered that their business was not as profitable as they'd hoped. At the peak of their employment, they had 100 employees. 
and when it closed its San Francisco operations this year, it was down to 30. Now, the company operates with virtually no employees. According to the Bloomberg article, all of the UK employees will be gone by the end of this year. That's a sharp contrast to the future that Rocket Space had planned back in 2016 when it received $336 million in funding from China-based HNA Group. With that funding, Rocket Space opened co-working spaces in China, the UK, and set its sights on global expansion. In 2017, the company sought to raise another 50 to $100 million, but it found potential investors did not find the terms attractive, and they failed to raise the capital. And this year, attempts to raise additional capital also failed. With no additional funding coming in, high operating costs, it put Rocket Space in a pretty precarious position. Now, it doesn't matter whether we're talking about WeWork, Rocket Space, or Sandbox Suites. None of them have a profitable business model. I couldn't even make the numbers work with zero capital investment taking over an existing business. While the office asset class is still in the process of going through a major trend shift, the profitable business model for co-working has not really emerged yet. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. Talk to you again tomorrow.